Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, like every other week, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. And it's not every other week, it's actually every week, so please don't confuse listeners as to our broadcast (laughs) schedule. Um, as I mentioned before, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find my work at autoguide.com as well as its YouTube page. And you can find some of Ben's work at Autoguide as well, but he is all over the internet when it comes to automotive coverage. So, Ben, where are the latest stories that you've written? You can find my latest stuff at Automobile Magazine, um, Driving Line, Super Street on newsstands, and Auto Trader. Wonderful. So we have some pretty cool cars to talk to you about today. Um, I'm going to start with another Mercedes. I know last week we talked about the brand new Mercedes-Benz EQC. Uh, This week I'm talking about the new 2019 Mercedes-Benz CLS, and specifically I had the 454 Matic. When you now, say when the, you say new, you mean new-ish, right? Like, yeah, did it come new-ish. out last year. I mean, it was officially debuted sometime around spring last year, I think. Okay, and um, I, I I actually haven't. It, yeah, it hit dealerships late last year, and I haven't driven it till now, which is the middle of uh, the next year. And, and and is it still based on the E Class platform? I'm not one hundred percent sure about the uh about the platform is based on anymore i'm not gonna lie i, I really don't know so you this don't know a... a lot about this vehicle you're about to talk about i just want that's to not true clear that, that hold up. up let's let's slow slow your roll here you don't need to start the podcast by discrediting me um <laughs> no i well you started the podcast by making our broadcast schedule sound like visitation rights <laughs> for a parent who doesn't deserve their child that's true um the latest model, the latest version is is what's the best way to describe this? It has a chassis code of C two five seven, which I believe is different than the Mercedes C the E class that is currently on the market right now, which is the W two thirteen. Okay, that's so a lot it's of a different algebra for me to work. What I'm trying to say is that it's a di- it's not it seems to not be based on the same chassis as the other one. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, or at least use a different chassis code altogether. What I wanted to say about the CLS is that it's probably the pioneer of the phrase four door, um, four door coupe, and this is a, a term now, or yeah, a term that has completely lost all meaning. It was like 2004, I think, the first CLS showed up. And since then, now everyone not only has a coupe-like sedan, but has also put a coupe-like uh, SUV on the market. Yeah, and, it's totally gone off the rails. I agree with you. And as a result, there's there's a little bit of the Mercedes CLS design that I think has worn has been worn out. It's uh, I I used to really find the design attractive, especially that first generation version. And I think the latest one, this new one that has come out, is a little bit um, conservative on some angles. And I think it's a bit uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar, because we see so many of these sedans using a extremely similar. Um, uh, profile yeah i mean and, look at the the volkswagen arteon right like we're yeah. at the point now where even these uh e- e- there's a division between cars like the arteon and the cls which are still doing the four-door coupe thing and then there's cars like the a7 and the kia stinger which are more of a hatch but they still they're within that same visual family right so this right. is well explored territory at this point and so it's lost a little bit of that like wow factor that it used to have visually. And what makes it worse, I think, is that Mercedes has actually um, – I think they've really reduced the, the value on this design by making the CLA as the mo- one of the most mainstream vehicles in its lineup ha- basically looks like a CLS but shrunken down. No, I agree. That's a really good point. And if anything, you know, I am <laughs> – anyone who's listened to the podcast before knows I'm not a CLA fan. But it is one of the more striking designs in the Mercedes lineup, just in terms of for visual first impression. And I'm looking at the new CLS right now, and there's a huge drop off in excitement between those two vehicles. Isn't isn't that really interesting though? Right? It's it's a completely different. It's just a, such a different reaction to when I think the CLS first showed up. Am I yeah. wrong? Like, no, you're you're not wrong at all. It, it was impressive. It really was. And it was one of my favorite cars because it also, as you mentioned, it had that E-Class 
like um, like chassis and powertrain, but it also had some S-Class elements to it as well in terms of um, luxury um, appointments. The original CLS didn't even have it, – it made no compromises. It wanted to be a four-door, four-person car. There was no middle seat in the rear on the rear bench. And now this modern generation version of it has a fifth seat. Um, not that it's extremely comfortable in any way or form, but it just goes to show that things have kind of changed when it comes to this. Whatever you want to call this segment, this four-door coupe, it doesn't seem like it means much at all anymore. It okay. used to be a, a very specific thing, um, a four-door coupe, which was like a four-person or a two-plus-two with extra two extra doors. And I think, you know, Mercedes pioneered a lot of ways the German perspective on the four-door coupe with the CLS, but then BMW really picked it up and ran with it. We ended up with vehicles like the 4 Series Grand Coupe and the Grand <laughs> Grand Coupe and the 6 Series Grand Coupe and the 4 Series Grand Coupe, honestly, it's to me a much better car than the 3 Series because it looks has a wider stance, but it also has that usable hatch in the back, which uh, allows you to expand the cargo compartment by folding down the rear seats, and you have this big cargo area, which I think is super practical. The 6 Series Grand Coupe doesn't really share that same hatch, uh, but it is visually an interesting car to look at, and mm-hmm. certainly more so than the CLS. So it's almost like... Do you think Mercedes designs are getting more conservative across the board? Is that a, is the CLS a symptom of that? Um, I I don't know if they're conservative, but it is a. I think they. You're, you're gonna hear my my internal struggle right now. Um, I really find the C class, the E class, and the S class to be pretty attractive vehicles in comparison to their um, rival, their their German rivals. I also find. Um, the, even the the tiny A class, which has comes in a hatchback and a sedan, and uh, the CLA to be an attractive vehicle as well. So I think that they they are they are well done designs that are to the point. They don't have extra flair or um, or what's the word I'm looking for frills on the exterior design. They're I think that's what makes them stand out um, very well. I'm looking at the, the the version of the CLS I'm looking at right now is a it's it's done in like a bronze kind of brown mm-hmm. and it, it looks awful like it's not it's not a flattering color for this vehicle. I'm going to try and find another color because I'm just I don't know. So while I'm not impressed with the the design anymore and I do think that they've compromised a bit on the on the sort of mentality of what a four-door coupe should be. I find that they've the, 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 I think the problem with the car is it's in a transition state for Mercedes. I think it's been released when they're flipping between a couple of different um, things in, within their own company. First and foremost, it has a new engine. It's an inline six that's turbocharged and has a 48 volt. I guess you're going to call it a mild. They're going to call it a mild hybrid system. Um, they call it EQ Boost, and it provides an extra 21 horsepower. I want to hear uh, my, my question about this motor, and I'm very curious because I haven't driven it yet. Mm-hmm. How smooth does it feel? It's very smooth. In fact, I'm, I'm extremely impressed with the powertrain um, and the suspension. The model I have has um, air suspension, and it is really cushy. It reminds me of what we've always wanted old Cadillacs to feel like. But uh, they're far more managed in, in in that manner. It's it's extremely floaty. It makes uh, all the road feel like it doesn't exist, like you're driving on a cloud. And this is absolutely uh, the 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 right place to be when it comes to uh, air suspension. So you As want was, you want a floaty, completely disconnected experience. That's that's the that's goal. what a luxury. That's to me what a luxury car truly oh. feels like. I mean, if you're looking for a, for a more engaging car, this is not it. Even the steering itself is completely numb. It, there's zero feel in it. When you hit a pothole, the the or or when you roll over anything, you could. I'm telling you, you can you can drive on on rocky roads, and the steering does not even move. Are um, there are is there a button I can push to tint the side windows so I don't have to see the proletariat? I wish you know. Like tint on demand, that'd be so cool. Yeah, like like you're in a Dreamliner, except it's a dream. Except it's a Dreamliner you can park in front of people who aren't as wealthy as you are. <laughs> what would they call that? Because first of all, well, they have like Magic Sky Control. I think is the name of the Magic one on, Sky Control. Yes, on the sunroof, but that's like it's a very rare feature. I think it's only on the convertibles. I guess they call it Distronic Glass Plus or something. <laughs> exactly, and it needs to be in all caps in case you're not aware. <laughs> Dear listener, poverty ban auto glass. 
every one of Mercedes features are in all caps. They're, I'm looking at this spec sheet. It's such a joke. Their seven-speed transmission is not called a nine-speed auto. I mean, sorry, their nine-speed transmission is not called nine-speed automatic transmission. It's called 9G Tronic. All caps. All caps. The infotainment system, which is a problem for me, is called Command, all caps. But it's not M-Bucks? No, it's not M-Bucks. Oh, this wow. is what I mean. It's in a transition it's in a transitional period because the the gauge cluster and the infotainment system are the new setup, which looks like it's supposed to be MBUX or MBUX, and it isn't. And so, like I said, it's a very awkward – I wish this thing was fully finished. But like I said, it feels like it's it's got – they had to put out a car, and they went with what they have. And I don't think it's it's – like you know how I've said this to you. You know I've said this to you before. I can't wait for the refresh to come out. This is how I feel about the CLS because then it'll, it'll be the fully next generation CLS because right now it feels like a, like almost like a beta test. So uh, it's funny because it is a completely different version of the CLS <laughs> that came out in 2018. Like uh, we're going to be waiting quite a while for that refresh. But um, you know, you were saying the 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 all caps usage in Mercedes nomenclature. I've always kind of viewed uh, when I was reading a Mercedes brochure or a spec sheet, it's like it was written by elite level hacker, <laughs> and I have to translate everything back into English. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know who who thought that was. I don't know how old their marketing department head is, but maybe he he's from. Maybe he saw the movie Hackers and he thought, wow, this is a really hack the planet and hack the Gibson and. Uh, everything in caps. <laughs> so, but let's get back to this driving this thing. Like I said, a very numb, um, isolated experience, which is perfectly fine for a luxury car. There's so many other um, vehicles in in the CLS's price range that can offer you more engaging driving dynamics. But um, I really love this this engine and this uh, powertrain. The not only is the inline six very smooth, it has a ton of torque, and it also um, it, it, it's you know, engine start stop in in so many vehicles can feel really trashy. It can it can really disrupt the the idea that you're driving driving a luxury car. When it fires back up, it can actually rock the car in some cases. But I'm telling you, this is one of the best engine start stops that I even did never. I every time I it turned off and turned on, I didn't even notice until somebody else was like, "Did that? What was that?" and uh, and I thought that was very interesting. You know, another interesting thing about this car is there's no V8 engine available. No. So there's two versions of this inline six. If you get this, uh, I had the 450. And the other model you can get is the it's called the Mercedes AMG CLS 53. And that also comes with the inline um, six. And it puts out 429 horsepower compared to the more, the more standard version, which has uh, 362. And uh, they're all they're all all wheel drive, I believe. Yeah, mine was all wheel drive. I'm I think that there's a real wheel drive version of this car. I don't think so. Not in North America, at least. It might be in another market. You know, it's also assembled in Thailand. No, it's not. Not what for us. Not for us. But there is they they assemble it in Germany and in a place called Samut Perkan in Thailand. Interesting. So I'm assuming that's for the for the Chinese market. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's surprisingly quick, this inline six that just makes 362 horsepower. Um, highway speeds come up in 4.8 seconds. Okay. Under five seconds, which is like we've always said is, is plenty fast. Yeah. For the non-performance version of the car. That's really impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and like I said, you'll, you'll get up to speed. You'll, you'll really enjoy I I took it on a nice road trip. We we went to Niagara Falls on our day off, uh, for the long weekend and it was very, very smooth. Um, I could not argue with it at all. I really like the way this thing behaves on the on the highway, especially on especially on um, especially when you're you're using the adaptive cruise control. And um, I don't know, like there's there's so many things that I I wanted this car to to do a little bit better in terms of design. And I think even interior design is not fully finished because, like, I, I really do expect it to be the more modern, the most modern version of the Mercedes offerings. You know what I mean? Yeah. With MBUX, with the best interior appointments, and I feel like this is just falling short of those expectations. So it's, it's kind of like, ways, a, is it like a placeholder car? Like, who is this aimed at? Because exactly. The new, the new E-Class is, is, really, e is really good. It's really good. The new S-Class is really good. And for Amazing. Pirate, how you're describing it, it really seems like 
this isn't as good as the E class, and it's going to be more expensive. It's very. So, it's actually quite expensive. So what's the deal? Like I don't. I don't. It they, starts they, at seventy one thousand dollars in the U.S. Did That's they just, a four wheel drive model? Is the only reason it's out there is because they felt obligated to make another CLS? Exactly. I think that's the case, and I think it's the old model used to feel like a like a very special blend of the E class and the S class, and I'm not feeling that just yet with this car. And I will admit the model that I have was not comp- is not perfectly equipped um it didn't have like vented seats or heated steering wheel and even with all the spec'd out features that i had which included um the air suspension and the upgraded sound system and the um the ginormous uh display i i was wishing that there was a little bit more to it so i think mercedes is really I don't know. I think they're in a like like I said. I think they're in a transitional spot right now with well, the CLS. I, I I think I have a little bit of insight as to why they put so little effort into this car. I just took a look at the sales figures for the CLS. So it's best right. year. This it's, is a great point. It's best year of sales was in two thousand five, which is not surprising when it came out fourteen thousand eight hundred units sold. Then it dropped to ten. And then it continued to drop. So by the time the uh, first generation was done, they were selling 2,000 of these a year. And that number never crested 8,500 in sales ever again. And we're talking about almost a decade of sales here. Um, in 26- it's a little bit more popular in Europe, I found. In, in 2016, tw- they sold 2,500 of these in America. That's insane. Now, compare that to the E-Class, which has sold between fifty and 70,000 examples almost every year for the last decade. There's, there's, they're selling – I a little, a little flustered there. It almost feels <laughs> like they only built this to sell it to existing CLS customers mm-hmm. who are going to come back. And if they didn't see a CLS in the showroom, they were going to go to Audi and buy an A7. You know, like it's, it's, it's almost got that kind of – what aura stop, about it yeah like a stop gap yeah like a, or a band-aid solution and it really does feel that way i do think that if it if they do something to spice up the exterior a tiny bit to make it feel more um unique which is which is a, it's not the, it's not mercedes fault because they made one of the most unique vehicles um over 10 years ago with this car and and all they had to do was keep all they've done is keep that status quo with the with the body style but the technology needs to be improved, and maybe an AMG version of this car would really uh, help excite um, buyers into the show, into bring it into the showroom. I also wonder if the AMG GT four door is stealing away though that AMG clientele that this car it, used it to have. It probably is. It's a related platform. Um, you know that the E class they all share the same. They they share similar underpinnings. So it could be an example of not wanting to steal the thunder from the new kid on the block, especially when that new kid is going to be much more expensive and more profitable for Mercedes to sell. Okay, so in other in previous generations, it used to come in a shooting brake or a wagon format. And I know that sounds ridiculous. It just sounds like an E-Class wagon. But there was something very gorgeous about this car, especially because, like I said, it has – I've been saying that a lot, actually. Um, it has – Two seats in the back. So a two-seater wagon – I mean a four-seater wagon, is, it's got some prestige to it. It just feels really executive. And like I said, they're not going to make this with a, with a, um, a wagon format this, this generation, Must not just it, yet. Sounds like they're ba- barely making it at all. I mean I don't know how hmm. many they're going to sell. Uh, I don't really see very many of them out there anymore, and I, now I know why. <laughs> it's a shame. It really is because this is – the this is the pioneer of the four door coupe and arguably you know the first generation CLS did it better than anyone else for quite a long time. I don't know. Do you think a, there's a better four door coupe out there? Oh yeah, definitely. I think the four series is a way better uh, four door coupe for me. Even I, without it being based on the new three series yet. What do you mean? I mean, I, I'm waiting for that new four series to arrive based on the new three series. Well, I, I, I mean, I guess we could speculate. I haven't driven the CLS either, but I just think that the, the functionality of a hatchback, like you have with the mm-hmm. four series, and also in the A7. I mean, those are. A7, if I'm gonna, right. if I'm gonna compromise on rear headroom because my head touches the ceiling in the back of a CLS, and I'm not a tall person. Oh yeah, then, it will in this car too. Then don't I want worry. some practicality out of that, and that's what I get with those BMW and Audi, Audi offerings. I don't get that with the Mercedes. <sighs> But are those considered four-door coupes or fastbacks? I think they're definitely in the same vein because, like we okay. were saying earlier, the segment has diluted to the point where 
there's so many variations of that theme visually that it's hard to have any hard and fast rules about what qualifies anymore. I mean, four-door coupe is a made-up term to begin with. It's yeah. all marketing. That's all and, we're talking about here. And now that coupe, that coupe nomenclature has extended to SUVs, and now it means nothing, right? It's horrendous. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, small things that I really do love about this thing. The... Interior um, design of Mercedes is still among my favorite. I love the way they make this uh, this dashboard with these big circular vents. I think it's a very eye-catching um, look. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And now they've added some ambient lighting in the CLS to those vents. Um, and it's kind of gimmicky, kind of like in a mini way. Kind of you know gimmicky what? like having a uh, perfume dispenser in the glove compartment. Right. But you know how the minis... Um, you can get them with this large LED ring around the central console. Yeah, and it changes color based on how you're driving. How you're driving, and if you change the HVAC settings, this does that as well. So wow. I thought that was very interesting. It, it's extremely – it's far less subtle than the Mini does it, which I think is hilarious. Well, it in, really in... goes like bright neon blue whenever you, <laughs> you, you drop the temperature like a single degree. <laughs> Well, you know, and, we're in a world now where we have the Swarovski crystals on the shifter and the uh, iDrive selector in BMWs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or not Swarovski, but uh, the Claire's kind of um, gimmicky style <laughs> thing. So, why not Mercedes joining in on that? It's right. You know, I, I often wonder: Do designers today think about posterity? Do they think about how their work will be looked at a decade from now? Because all the things that we make fun of from 90s car design, for example, at the time, everyone was like, yeah, everyone's going to love teal for the rest of their lives. Like, it's just, they were so in that <laughs> moment. ginormous turbo badging on yeah, literally they, every panel. <laughs> they couldn't see past their moment, you know? So now the moment, uh, the moment for a while was these four-door coupes, but I think right now the moment is gimmicky lighting because LEDs are cheap and easy to do, and um, cut glass because I don't know reasons. I guess we're going back to some type of roy- royalty theme. Uh, it's a little weird. Can I ask you one more really strange question? I've never been able to figure out a, a, a reasonable answer for this, and now I've been asked by a couple of people. Okay, I, you can ask me, but I, I am not licensed to practice medicine in right. Quebec anymore. Okay. Whenever you get into some German vehicles, um, I know Mercedes does it and BMW does it, and you buckle your seatbelt and you start setting off the the rear the belts start to tense uh, or or start to like apply tension to you and yes. you it pulls you back into the seat first of all why does it do that and do you enjoy that feeling in any way or form okay i can answer both of those questions <laughs> the answer to your first question is it's re- it's removing slack from the system mm-hmm. so that there's no slack in the seatbelt so that it, if you are in an accident those are going to i don't know if you've ever been in a severe car accident but a lot of the times modern cars they they tense the seatbelt to hold you tighter because right. it can tell you're about to hit something. So right. it's just reducing the amount of time it will take for it to do that in that eventuality. Second, do I enjoy it? No. I've had companions, though, who really, really, really enjoyed that. And Are you fact, kidding me? Really? That's like me to weird restart, restart the car so that they can experience it a second or third time. The seatbelt hug that it does. It's not a hug so much as it is a pressure on the chest cavity. <laughs> um but you know what? It's, that brings up a really good point. Mercedes is also really strong when it comes to crash technology. I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but the the new Mercedes pre-safe, pre-safe technology. Is that all in caps? Pre-safe. Oh, the pre-safe is. But okay. it's called pre-safe sound, and it prepares what? human hearing for the anticipated accident noise when there's a, the risk of a collision. So apparently it plays like this white noise. I don't know I don't know the actual technical <laughs> so, term of so it. So you're sliding towards a wall, and all of a sudden <laughs> the speakers go... <laughs> and that's supposed, to, like, that's supposed to be a good thing. It's supposed to help you um, adjust for the explosion, I think, of, a, of or the interior... The, like, when the airbags go off and you hit something, there's a lot of like added pressure to the cabin and it kind of like prepares your ears for that. Why, I guess. why can't it just play like a heavy metal guitar solo so that I feel like I'm in some type of action movie it, it, or, 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 or the strings swell up and there's like a huge bass drop, something like that. <laughs> You're also going to like the other pre-safe technology, which is pre-safe impulse side. Man, these names <laughs> got to get better. <laughs> <laughs> 
It braces the front occupants for a side impact by nudging them sideways to reduce the risk of injury in a collision. How does it nudge you? I don't know. <laughs> Is there a hand? <laughs> Whoa. Does, that, does something descend from the ceiling? Does it inflate the side bolsters on the... That's why we don't have any headroom in the car. It's got these these arms that nudge you slightly to the side when what they're if, acting. What, what if there's, happen. like, an explosive bolt in the seat mounts that, like, blows one side oh up into the God. air and pushes you towards the middle of the car? Yes, you're safe, but your car is a complete uh, explosion Complete loss, risk total loss, constantly. sorry. Wow. It's interesting, though, that there's all of these pre-collision technologies and that Mercedes is so confident in their ability to detect a crash before it happens I, and know, apply these two elements to the cabin. I'm waiting for Distronic pre-safe mute where this hand comes out of the steering wheel and goes across your mouth so you can't scream and potentially terrify your other passengers in an accident. <laughs> or, yes, yes, exactly. Um... What's my overall impression of the CLS? I'm I I wanted to like it. I didn't love it. The the powertrain is great. The rest of the car needs some love. Okay, that's my that's my bottom line. Well, that's fair. I think. I mean, we're looking at what kind of feels like a like a placeholder car, as you said, from Mercedes, and I think that your evaluation of that is very generous. <laughs> That that new engine though is great, and I can't wait to see it in other vehicles or across the lineup. It's it's going to be a good thing for Mercedes going forward, and I think even fuel economy wise, it was very solid. So, good work Mercedes on that part. But uh, get your designers back in and make them make make the CLS pretty again. So I, I I drove a vehicle that we actually have talked about on the podcast before many times because you know FCA. Apparently, is the center of our universe. But uh, I, I drove. Wait, a, let me guess. Is it the demon? Is it a Hellcat? Is it a Trackhawk? Is nope. it a Grand Cherokee? Of any, oh, you're getting of warmer. One million, we have driven 100 million Jeep Grand Cherokees. Is this a Grand Cherokee? <laughs> no, not this time. But it is similar to a Jeep Grand Cherokee in that it is a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> oh, great. But I'm not going to. We talked about the Wrangler a couple months ago because I drove a Rubicon mm-hmm. and uh, we had a lot to say about it so we're not going to get mired down in the details um the the version i drove this time though there there is a detail about it that i wanted to talk about specifically and that is i drove the four-door wrangler it's not called the unlimited anymore just so everyone knows they they got rid of that name for 2018 so this is a 2019 jeep wrangler four-door it's a sahara trim and it came with the sky one touch roof sam do you know what that is is, sammy first of all is it all in caps no it's not and that feature doesn't matter okay Definitely agree with you there. Uh, so the sky, so Jeep, Jeep is all about for reasons that Jeep owners. I'm a Jeep owner, but I don't own a Wrangler, so I'm kind of on the outside looking in. And apparently, most Wrangler owners they want to be as exposed to the elements as possible. So that okay. means you can take the doors off, you can fold the windshield down, you can take the roof off, you can, I guess, take the tires off and replace them with pontoons and float out in the middle of a lake and just hang out. Um, why don't why don't Jeep drivers just uh, if they want to be so close to nature? Why don't they just start walking? You know, Sammy, that's the kind of attitude that just isn't going to fly at Jeep. In any case, Sorry. there's so many different ways to get you naked in your Jeep Wrangler. There's the soft top, which allows you to flip it open and flip it back or remove it completely and unsnap it. There's not the to hard... mention make loading things into the trunk unnatural. In- incre- so difficult that. I still don't know how to do it with the soft top. <laughs> <laughs> There's the hard top, which you can remove completely. Mm-hmm. And then now, well, it's been here for a while, but this is the newest implementation of it. There is a hybrid version of those two things where mm-hmm. you get, and, and when I say hybrid, it really is because at first, when you look at the Sky One Touch Roof, you're like, oh, it's a convertible Jeep. I get it. Yes and no. So the convertible Sky One Touch thing, it's a hard top Jeep. And I'm, I'm demonstrating with my hands right now, and I don't know why, because no one yeah. can see me. But the center panel of the hardtop is, is aw. The center panel of the hardtop, it is a uh, piece of fabric, and it slides all the way to the back, and it kind of crumples up over the cargo area. But you end up with an open space uh, on top of the first row of seats and the second row of seats. And you do it with a button up on the top of the, the um, windshield surround. You can push it once, it goes all the way back. It's super easy to use. But that's not the only thing you can do with the top. You can also remove the side windows at the back. So, like, 
this is kind of hard to picture, but you don't just remove the glass. It, it, it takes out the panel that's around the glass, too, in the front. So when you take the door off and you take the front doors off, so all four doors are off, you end up with only the B pillar, the A pillar, the B pillar, and the C pillar. You don't have a D pillar on it. You don't have, like, something behind where the second door was. It just It's just open air. So it's really kind of a unique experience um, from a open driving concept for the Jeep. You can't remove the top entirely. It has to stay connected at all times, but it's a pretty close approximation. So you can I, I'm kind of rambling here. No, okay. I want to I want to interject here. Okay. I've seen something very similar to this cloth top. Um in a car known as the Fiat five hundred Cabrio. Yes. Is this the right way to describe what I'm what I'm looking at? Yes, except unlike the Fiat five hundred C, the top doesn't scrunch up at the back like a like a diaper. <laughs> it looks like it gets pretty close. What yeah, are you talking about? There's some weird stuff about the top that I want to get into. <laughs> So I like this idea because um, I like having the roof open on the Jeep. I like the soft top Jeeps because you can just pop open the area over the driver and flip it back. And it's super easy. It's not so easy to stand up and grab it and bring it back. I'm not saying it's hard, but the angle is weird and it can be, it can require more strength than it at first looks like, but whatever, that's easy enough to do, but it's not easier than just pushing a button and having a convertible Jeep. So that part's really cool, but there's some weird stuff about the top, like, in the in 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 it's tempting to think about the top as being like a roman blind where it just slides back inside of its track and or like you know when you open the cover on a on a panoramic sunroof in a car sammy and you have that fabric cover on the inside that keeps the right. light out and right. it just folds back in on itself right like it's it's winding around at the end mm-hmm. um the top of the jeep doesn't do that it bunches up <laughs> as it's moving backwards so okay the area that's open isn't just defined by the leading edge of the top. There's other areas in the back that are also open along the sides. So you're not really keeping things waterproof in the back so much uh, unless you have the top completely closed. It's kind of a weird setup in that sense. It is a weird setup. Like you're seeing it, You're seeing what I mean, right? Like looking at yeah. the images right now. Uh, the what other earth? Okay, yeah. Keep the going. other weird part is the inside of the hardtop is unpainted. So it's it's like the White. one I the one I drove is an orange Jeep. Yeah. On the inside where the rails are for the uh, sliding mechanism, it was white. And you can really see it because it's even with the top closed, you can see where the sliders are supposed to go. So you end up with this inside of the Jeep that's unpainted and it feels super cheap. And I'm like, what's going on here? Because the option for the Sky One Touch is $4,000. Oh my goodness. It is not cheap, man. And that's on top of an already pretty expensive four-door Jeep. Uh, you can't get it on the base sport. I don't even know if they make a sport four door, but you have to get it on. You can get it on either the Sahara or the Wrangler, or sorry, the Rubicon. And you're already paying a lot of money, and you don't get paint on the inside. Give me a break. Ouch. Okay. So, and was, this is on a four door, right? It's not on a two door. Yeah, you can't get it on the two door. Mm. But that's I mean, t- that's tough, man. What would you rather get? You know, it's How really much hard like to this s- thing. Is it convenient? It sounds convenient. It's super convenient. Also sounds a little precarious. Like, I don't know what the best way to describe it is. It doesn't sound perfect. No, it's a good compromise is I guess how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. I want it to be painted for $4,000. I'm sorry. That's just, all you want? That's that's what I want. Well, it, it, I think it's great if you like taking the full soft top off of a cheap, like completely off is not easy. I mean, it's it's semi easy to do and get it off, but putting it back on can be complicated. And it's not necessarily a one-person job either because of the weight of the mechanism. Uh, if you're one person and you want to have a full open top all the time, then this is a very easy way to do that. And you don't have to worry about in the winter time whether you're going to get snow or ice, not necessarily inside the vehicle, but uh, you're, you don't have to worry about cold getting in the vehicle because those soft tops and the Jeeps in the winter can be freezing and uh, they can leak. So this is kind of the, the – they're also – you get actual glass with this vehicle instead of the plastic windows at the back. Again, it's a security thing if you live in an area where you're worried about break-ins, but you don't want to just have a hard top all the time. It's it's There's so many different options in the Wrangler world. I'm glad that this is one of them, but it doesn't necessarily – I mean, it's a compromise. I'm trying to 
I'm trying to do something. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to look at the Jeep Gladiator, which is a an SUV. Uh, sorry, a pickup truck that's based on the Wrangler. Wait, I they made a pickup to... truck on the based on the Wrangler? Yeah, how is yeah. this the first time I'm hearing about this? No, definitely. You, yeah, <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> does this does this pickup truck have this feature? And I'm no, it doesn't look like it, which no, is a shame. Well, where would you put the roof? Like, just dump it in the bed? Like, exactly, exactly. I think that's amazing. Because currently, you can. That's how you do it, right? You just take that three-piece top and just dump it in the bed. That's I'm gonna right. be honest. The Wrangler Gladiator truck with four doors taken off of it looks weird. It does, but now imagine it without a roof. Yeah, I don't know. Even cooler. <laughs> Problem solved. I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, the only convertible pickup truck I want is the Dodge Dakota convertible. So that I can have a, a pallet of two by fours hit me in the back of the head when I break suddenly at a traffic light. I, I, the best part about this Jeep Wrangler is that it exists because Jeep, Jeep, there are no shortage of features and options and and I don't want to call it a gimmick, but like ways to customize your jeeping experience. Right? There's just no shortage you of just that use sort of stuff. Jeeping is a verb. Jeeping, yeah. Why not? All right. <laughs> and this is another way to just make your Jeep feel like your Jeep and not like anyone else's. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I can get behind it. If you can afford it and you don't mind the unpainted part or you're going to paint it yourself by hand with a brush, go for it. I mean, it's 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 not... I didn't have any problems with it. There's a weird thing about it, though. Every time you hit the uh, the button either to um, go forwards or backwards with the roof, it cuts the satellite radio out for like half a second. <laughs> oh Why God. does that happen? I don't know. It's 2019. I thought we'd figured out electricity, but I guess not. Uh <laughs> The, the other thing I wanted to talk about this very, very quickly about the Wrangler. This was the four-door. Take your time. We've been talking about the Wrangler for, like, years now. <laughs> it, it's, it had the Turbo 4. And okay. uh, I really like this engine in the Rubicon, but the Rubicon I had was a two-door. So I was curious. The four-door is heavier. Mm-hmm. Am I going to like it as much? Answer, yes. 270 okay. horsepower, 295 pound-feet of torque. It is just as good and just as easy to drive in the four-door. Highly recommend this upgraded motor. Don't care that it only comes with the eight-speed automatic. I am That's fully, be- I'm fully behind it. That's really weird. Sorry. I just think you... it's a better. I think it's a better motor. But the transmission, man. Yeah, I mean the V6 is good. I'm not trash talking it, but the four just has more jump. Uh, the only weird part is when you're off throttle on the four, it kind of feels like it's fighting the gearing, and it did this in the Rubicon too. And I just thought it was because the Rubicon had more aggressive gearing, but the mm. Sahara doesn't, and it kind of felt like that um, most of the time I was driving it. Sorry, I need you to – I just want you to describe what you mean by fighting the gearing. Does it mean like it's um, – what's it the feels, best word for it? Like engine braking? Yeah, it feels like it's straining a bit, uh, okay. which is unusual for an automatic transmission. Right. It's not something you would you would notice. Interesting. I mean I, lo- I really do like the Wrangler. There's, some, there's just so much about it that brings me joy. It makes me feel good when I'm driving it. And even if it's an automatic or a manual, if it's a two-door or a four-door, and apparently if you can get it with a uh, – I've driven it with a hard top and a soft top, but even if you get it with a convertible roof. It's called the Sky One Touch Roof, Sammy. Get it right. right. My mistake. It is insane to think that there is that much variability to – um, something that I thought was really static. I mean, if you wanted a Jeep, you were getting a car, a, a, an SUV, a body-on-frame SUV that could go anywhere and do anything. But now it's more than that. It's I, it's, I actually don't think it's a body-on-frame design. Not anymore. I don't. Not think for so. quite a while. Oh, my mistake. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's been a unibody for quite a while, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my um, mistake. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's it's fine. But you know what? I, sorry, I I mean like it's a boxy utility vehicle. It still has solid axles front and rear. I mean, let's not sorry. let's not dress it up and say it's modern. <laughs> it's, and um, now with this much customizability, this much variability to the you know when you go to a website and you you go to an automaker website and you you click that button that says build it now, and some cars. The features, the options, or the things you click on are honestly, it's the, it's the simplest path to take. You go, this engine, this trim, I'm done. But when it comes to a Jeep, man, I struggle every time I look at this, uh, at this build your own Jeep thing. There are so many options to choose from. And whatever your end product is, is really going to make you feel like, like happy. You know what you I know, mean? I, I was completely wrong. The, the Wrangler is still body on frame. I don't know what I was thinking when I when I see Unibody. I, maybe I was thinking Grand Cherokee. So I'm sorry about that, Sammy. 
No problem. I just want to publicly apologize to the thousands no, it's okay. you of Sammy fans who are going to write to me and no, tell me that geez. all I do is make fun of Sammy's invaluable contributions to this podcast. <laughs> um, one, one thing I do want to talk about, last thing about the Wrangler, is uh, the weird way that driving it feels exactly like driving my 32-year-old Grand Wagoneer feels. Are you kidding me? The steering feel is really similar. <laughs> And that is so weird and worrisome. Uh, I think it's the solid axles. I think that's just how it is. Uh, my my Jeep might wander a little bit more, but mm-hmm. all that's Jeep Wranglers easier. all Jeep Wranglers wander. So mm-hmm. that's kind of funny. Um, you wanted to do a funny lightning round, yes, that I was not prepared for, and so that's the best way to make them you, funny. <laughs> why don't you? Yeah, thanks. So, why don't you embarrass me some further um, by by hitting me? With, what are you talking about here? So I've been working on an article on the weirdest car names of all time. Um, on what site can we imagine? What what uh, publication can we see this article on? It's going to be published on Driving Line, and uh, there's a couple of these that I think are just perfect. Um, and weirdest I wanted to get Sam, Sammy is has has no preparation for this as he mentioned. I just wanted to get his initial reaction to these actual real I car names. This. I hate this because you know I'm like a stickler for preparation. <laughs> So these are actual names that uh, a bunch of people thought would be cool to put on a vehicle that cost millions of dollars to develop and then market with these names. So we're going to start out, Sammy. Here's the first one. The I want to know how you feel about Isuzu Mysterious Utility Wizard. Wait, what? <laughs> Isuzu Mysterious Utility Wizard. Yes, which or- is, it's much better than the – it used to be called the Isuzu Stranger Utility Magic Man. <laughs> And then they put that through a focus group, and they're like, no, 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 wizard. Definitely mysterious wizard. Mysterious is better than stranger. It is. Well, you never hear mysterious danger. You always hear stranger danger. Exactly. Mysterious danger. <laughs> so the, here's the funny thing about this vehicle is it. we got it in America as the Isuzu Rodeo. Oh. And it's like, why well, not, not just call it that rodeo. all over the world? And they're like, no, mysterious utility wizard. And what's funny is the 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 wizard part is because it's the four door the three door two door rodeo that we got was just called the mysterious utility. <laughs> <laughs> What's so mysterious about this utility? I don't know. No one will never know, Sammy. That's the thing. Um, all right. So. Oh wait. <laughs> what? Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it must have like you know in old video games how you have a pocket that you can put literally anything in. Yeah, pocket that's of pocket of holding, utility. bag of yeah. bag of bag of holding. Yes, that's what the Yasuzu Mysterious Utility Wizard has. So the next reaction I want from you: the mm. Mitsubishi Manika Lettuce. I'm sorry, the Manika. Manika what is Manika? Manika Man- Lettuce. You're what focusing on the wrong part of the name. <laughs> Look, you've got it. <laughs> there was a time when we needed to go green. And for many people, I guess Mitsubishi it was lost in translation, and they were like, "Green, okay, name it after uh, some plants." And okay, like, you're, you're totally wrong, but that's a good guess. Oh, okay. So the Manika Wizard. Sorry, whoa. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> is this the, another wizard? The Manika. The wizards are popping up everywhere. The Manika Lettuce was developed and marketed by a company in Japan, um, Seiju, I believe. Uh, it's a major grocery store chain. And you could go to the grocery store and buy the lettuce. <laughs> the car of the lettuce? Or yes, the, the car of the lettuce. Okay. <laughs> and that's the and and it also it's interesting because it had two doors on one side and one door on the other. Ooh. Yeah, it was a little K, it was a little K car. Um okay, what a so our idea. Also, I liked it that you called the the Minica Wizard at one point. The the mysterious with mysterious utility is finding its way into all aspects of our life. Yeah, well once you it's like a it's like a meme once you once it infects your brains. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, here's the next one. The Daihatsu Naked. What? <laughs> yeah. Naked? Yeah. Well, so it's not it's unpainted. It's got like or it's got no body panels. No, it's, like, what it's, is it? It's a totally boring van. Um, but you What's could also so make it about it. That's what we're going to be inside of it. Well, it, it had, you could get a couple other versions. There was the naked gear, <laughs> the Daihatsu naked Memorial edition too. <laughs> no, you're making that no, up. No, I'm not what making the, that up. First of all, what is the naked Memorial edition one? Unclear. And also what the memorial, what we're memorializing equally foggy. But my favorite version of the Daihatsu naked is the Daihatsu naked at one. <laughs> At one. <laughs> Using the at symbol. So it's insinuating that at one we're all going to get naked. Not only that, 
or only one person in the Daihatsu naked is going to be naked. Well, whoever's naked, whoever's not naked, that version, the At One version, had zebra print seats and zebra exterior graphics. Where was this sold? It was sold in Japan, which is where everyone wants a vehicle called the Daihatsu Naked. Zebra print seats. I forgot that they are the most ravenous consumers of any of of animal print upholstery. I, I when I was in college, there was briefly there was a, a <laughs> fellow student who had a Suzuki X90, and he had zebra print seats. Of course, yes. Uh, okay, okay, give me give me another one. Here's the next one: the Toyota Deli Boy. Deli Boy. Deli Boy. I love that. Is it? It's a food truck. No, well, it's a van, so there could be food inside of it. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's named that to throw you off the scent of what's actually there or get you excited about meats and pickles. So I, think, I think they were just trying to um, capitalize on the Delica, the Mitsubishi Delica, and they're oh, like... Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. They're like, what comes after that? What comes before C? And they're like, B. <laughs> Delica, <laughs> Deli Boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, how about the Nissan Friend Me? <laughs> friend you? <laughs> friend me. Friend you? And, and I me, me barely cap- know him. Me is capitalized. Okay. Is that it was, mid-engine? Is that what the ME stands for? No, it's it was uh there's no reason for this name. It was a show car that Nissan brought to Shanghai in twenty thirteen. That, that's pretty much all I know about it. Um it signs, sounds kinda lonely. It does. It sounds silly. Friend me. Okay, uh, and now I've got to, I've got uh, a couple more. Mm-hmm. Honda that's <laughs> That's what? Exactly. That's the whole name. That's and it has the apostrophe. Is this a joke? No, that's the name of the car. And What's the it, name of the car? That's that's the name of the <laughs> this car. Is, this sounds ridiculous, Ben. That's, this that's sounds it. like a who's on first. What's on second? I don't know who's on third, and that's the car. And he's driving on. That's his car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? Uh, uh, moving on. Mm-hmm. The Subaru Legacy Touring Bruce. Bruce. And it was Bruce. named. Okay, why do you think it's named the Bruce? Uh, it was sold in Australia, where everyone is named Bruce. Oh, very Sorry, good Australian guess. listeners. Very good guess. And that's the sound of all of our Australian listeners unsubscribing. Unsubscribing. Um, no, it's actually named after Bruce Willis, who appeared in several commercials for it. It's a, basically a standard legacy wagon. But Bruce Willis sang in the commercials. Like a bluesy kind of hit. He had an album in the in the 80s called The Return of Bruno, which I don't recommend you listen to. But for a while, he but was But now I'm going to. I can't not listen to it. <laughs> Well, uh, wrapping things up, I've got a, a, a couple that uh, I need your opinion on. Honda Joy Machine. Now, is that a car or is that something you have to buy at the back of a porn shop? Ooh, that sounds like fun, Joy Machine. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I want a car called the Joy Machine. Well, you know what, Sammy? You can <laughs> hey, you want to get you want to get your hands on my Joy Machine? You can get that car. It's called the HRV in North America. Oh, yeah, I know. What a disappointment. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of years ago in Detroit, there was a uh, concept car that came in, and it was called the Tanghua Detroit Fish. <laughs> Sorry, the what? The Detroit Fish. First of all, are there fish in, like, not to sound really ignorant of the agriculture in Detroit, but is fishing a huge deal there? First of all, it's called aquaculture. Right. And second That's of all, sick. they share that river with Windsor, so you should know if there's fish or not. Yeah, I don't like the Windsor River um, fish. That sounds terrible. <laughs> You get a discount on them, though. Exactly. All right. Uh, two more. Why to would go. you name? Hold up. Why would you name your car after the fish in Detroit? That's like naming. That's like. Oh, that makes no sense. That's, that's like just... naming your sports team after your city's worst feature, like the Miami Heat. <laughs> um, or the or the Dallas LA school... Lakers. There is the... <laughs> the Dallas School Book Depositories. I don't know why you would do that either. Okay. All right, uh, what do you Are think about the, the Geely Beauty Leopard? Ooh, that's gorgeous. Beauty Leopard. Um, why do you think – well, Jaguar was taken, obviously. Yes. And they needed to make sure that people understood that the leopard they are envisioning their car to be or, or they're, they're designing their car after is not an ugly leopard of all of the – because 9 out of 10 of leopards – Found by people are ugly. In some found way by enough. people. I'm willing to suspect. I'm willing to believe that most. It's usually the other way around. I think the leopard <laughs> finds you. <laughs> um, I think that maybe beauty leopard is what happens when you run jaguar through an auto translate program. <laughs> Sexy jaguar through an auto translate, and they're like, ah, the beauty leopard. But Sammy, beauty leopard. I can't think of a better way to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Me final, too. the final name I have for you on this lightning round. Really? 
Yes, the last one. Are we? How many? Is this your whole article, Sammy? No, it's not. And why would you even count when you're having so much fun? That's the true. last name is the Mazda Proceed Marvy Wild Breeze. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. First of all, the Proceed, the Mazda Proceed. First of all, isn't there a Kia named the Proceed? Oh, I don't know. Let's keep okay. moving. <laughs> and second, the Marvy. Marvy. What is like M A R V I E? Not not Y, but I E. What is Marv? And is it Marvy Wild Breeze is all like oh, these a are trim all level? These are all separate words. Okay. That's as far as I know. What is it? <laughs> it is. Uh, what do you think it is? It's, I guess it's a van like everything else. <laughs> You're close. It's an SUV. Oh. Uh, it's based on the B-Series pickup. Ooh. Which was called the Proceed in some markets. And Wild Breeze, your guess is as good as mine. I Maybe, maybe it has a convertible roof. Like I the, thought that, but land. no. It's just uh, it's just a great name. So so if if people want to hear more nonsense talk like that last segment, Sammy, like Marvy Wild Proceed Marvy Wild Breeze. Yeah. yeah, like how 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 can they get that from us? Well, they can go to our website, unmadeautomotivepodcast.com. And when you go there, you can see all of our uh, old episodes. You can also subscribe so that you get our new episodes immediately as soon as they're available. Or maybe even before they're available somehow. I don't know how that's possible, but of course, why not? Beauty uh, leopard style. <laughs> you can also get in touch with us through that website. We have a contact form there, and you can punch that up. You can write a, your, whatever cute message you have for us, or you can back me up whenever Ben says that I'm horribly, horribly wrong, or you can agree with him. It doesn't really matter. We Feed read my all ignorance. Of, we read all of our um, our comments, and they sometimes power us to make some really good content afterwards. So we really appreciate all of the feedback. The other things you can do is you can go, you can head to our social media page. We have a Facebook account, so just punch in Unnamed Automotive Podcast on Facebook, and you'll be able to find us there. Additionally, if you want to get in touch with us through social media, you can find me at, uh, on Twitter, at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. And, and you could you, also, sorry, Sammy, I wanted to mention, you could also find us on iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, and a bunch of other podcatchers. Oh, right. That's what I mean. When, like, when you go to the website, there's all of these ways to subscribe. Those are all those pod, podcatchers is a way to do that. Um, and finally, if you want to be a little bit more personal, you don't want to go through all this rigmarole of clicking on buttons and whatnot. You can just type up a, a friendly email to Ben. He's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Sammy, what are you driving next week that we're going to talk about? I will be driving the brand new, well, really heavily refreshed Mercedes-Benz GLC class. Ah, more Mercedes-Benz content. Yes, you know me. I like to stick it out with a brand for like a month. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be talking about the Hyundai Veloster N, and I'll have been taking that to a racetrack, and I'm super excited because this is a car I've been looking forward to driving for quite a long time. Wicked. I can't wait to hear more about that. Bye.